Hello, and welcome to the first podcast from me, Emma Rice. We were wondering what to call this podcast. I think it's quite good to call it Wise Children's Detention. It feels a little bit like that. I've been locked in a room with a microphone because I'm a bit nervous to um, speak in front of other people, which is odd because I speak all the time uh, about my work and about why I'm doing it, and it's one of my favourite things. Um, But it's a strange time. Uh, There's been so much drama and... There ought to have been so much confusion, but in fact, there never was. In the midst of everything that's happened over the last few years, there were some really clear decisions that I didn't even have to make. They were right in front of me. The first being, I didn't want to freelance. I didn't want another building. I wanted to make theatre in the way that I believed in and the way that I wanted. And I needed to be my own boss. So I was going to start a company. And the second thing that I knew was it was going to be called Wise Children. It's a perfect title. It's perfect because it summarises what I believe in. We need to be clever, we need to be smart, we need to be emotional, we need to be sophisticated, but we also need to be simple and true and joyful and childlike in the way that we meet the world and all the challenges. But of course, many of you will know that I didn't make up that phrase. I think Shakespeare talked about wise children it's a wise child who knows his father but of course it's Angela Carter's brilliant iconic novel that inspired me and is going to be my first show so here we are I've put together a company of um, collaborators that I've worked with many times before some just a few times some for decades um, and also some new people which takes me on to what I was doing just a couple of weeks ago, which is an R&D for wise children. R&D stands for research and development. It's a term that's used a lot. And it really means that you often do it, you might do it years before you do a project, but this is a few months. I get as many people together who are gonna work on the show as possible. I explore the areas that are the unknowns and therefore the exciting bits of the project. Here's Katie Owen talking about one of those tricky problems. Um, So after the the girls, Dora and Nora, have have, um, encountered their father for the first time in the theatre, Grandma Chance obviously doesn't like this chap because he's denied his paternal rights to them and and won't acknowledge that he's their father. She gets very cross and she decides it's time to tell the girls about the birds and the bees. about sex, about what goes where and who does what. But she taints it with her own opinions that that the sort of male organ is the aggressor and the female organ is the beautiful butterfly. And she takes them through all the types of sex you can have. So we set to work creating a sex education class for Grandma Chance. And here's the sex nursery rhyme that we wrote. A and A make pleasure. A and B make trouble. B and B make fireworks that pop like a bubble. Then, inspired by Danny Kaye's Inchworm, I asked Ian Ross, my composer, to set the nursery rhyme to music and then got Gareth Snook to sing Lady Be Good across the nursery rhyme. That 
that's one of the things that defines my process is that I try not to be too literal. And that means not always digging in at the centre or at the narrative or about what we know. I try and circle around the areas that you don't know because they tend to be the things that are much more fertile, but also the areas of the work that contain surprise, which is really what I want. I talk about it quite a lot, but the, you know, the one thing I don't want to do is make the work that I imagine. That may sound odd, but my imagination is only my imagination. The thing that's exciting is what I can't imagine or what I don't know. And my process is very much about how to liberate those pockets of unknown and animate them. And I have lots of ways of doing that. So for myself as a writer and adapter and uh, director, it's looking around the hinterland. I've been reading lots of Angela Carter's poetry, for example, um, trying to see how I can get under her skin and her biography, how I can use um, the clues that Angela Carter has left me. I was also given a mixtape of the music Angela Carter was listening to when she wrote the book. So I listen to that and I weave it into the writing. And then I do the same when I meet the actors and the creative teams that I'm going to work with. We, we work out of the material into the areas of unknown. I think how we pass through time is a real challenge. This novel spans three generations, um, even more actually, but I've done a bit of editing which has made it slightly simpler than the original novel. So how can you describe time um, passing and also people getting older? So I've been experimenting with different people playing the characters at different stages in their lives. And then, of course, you've got the fact that they're all twins. It's literally an impossible book, this, can I say. So how do I do that? And the big decision I've made is to completely cast away from the idea of twins. One of the things I love about theatre most is the power of suggestion. In theatre, you can pick up a piece of paper, you can wave it about, and somebody only needs to either say it's a butterfly or treat it like it's a butterfly. And the whole audience can use the power of their collective imagination to see a butterfly. And that's what I'm on the planet to explore. So with that in mind, I've cast all my twins so differently. You can't imagine I've got every type of, I've got every color of skin, every gender, every height, every size. And all we're gonna do is say, these two are twins. And it's effective and it's funny. It's very funny to see that. But it's also quite moving because I think by making that choice, it allows us it to be the twins to be every person, everyone. Um, so I think it actually opens up the world. I'm not being literal. I'm not being logical even, but I am being emotional. So I'm trying to cast people that have a similar spirit or a similar energy so that we can get that um, that sense of the personality bubbling through whatever body it is that's channeling it. So we explored that. We started working on the musical palette. Always a great place to start. So Ian Ross, my composer, and I um, started looking at some of Angela Carter's poems and setting them to music. Again, it gave me a chance to pull on some of the fairy tale elements. Here's Ian working with the company. Shall we sing it? As we did earlier, the three, and then everybody, and then ours. Yes, yeah? please. Ready, Emma? Always. Five, six, seven, eight. She has. 
lots of my work. In fact, I'm going to save all of my work as a chorus. It's one of the first questions I ask of myself. Who is telling the story? And whose eyes are we seeing the story through? And I thought a lot about dancers and how bloody hard they have to work to do their job. And it's not just that night or that morning. It's from children. They train and they're exhausted and their feet hurt. And the book beats, throbs with the pain of dancing as well as the joy of dancing. So I wanted to sort of honour that, the hard graft of show business. And so my chorus are going to be dancers. They're going to be sort of in the studio, the corps de ballet, the cronky corps de ballet. And they're not going to speak. So we invented our own sign language, which is rather like that epic mime in classical ballet. Um, But we're using it to translate in our own way, creating our own language through Angela Carter's poetry and standard songs like There May Be Trouble Ahead. We've invented this beautiful poetic language, which makes me cry. I feel like with these beautiful gestures we're somehow encapsulating all the themes of the show. Loss, poverty, hope, glamour, and a kind of epic passion, which is really what theatre is for me and for the people I work with and for all the people that have gone before us. I'll leave the last word to my friend and choreographer, Etta Murfit. And who are the best dancers, Etta? Everybody's a good dancer in their own way. Thank you, Peter. Thank you, Peter. That's the right answer.